it is very um, uh, likely that that was what they were ordained to be is, is, is uh, the deacons in the office of the deacon. It's not necessarily referred to as the office of the deacon in Acts chapter 6, but we see that that's what they were ordained to was service, which the word diakonos, uh, deacon, is it means servant. And so, um, again, this is what we were looking at. We also saw that uh, faith is trusting what God says and acting on it. And that is not just hearing what God's Word says, oh yeah, I believe it. No, it's, 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 it's belief that moves you to action. It's trust that moves you to action. Um, and then we all also saw on the flip side of that, that fear cripples faith. And uh, we talk about how, how prevalent fear is in our world. If you're watching the, I'm not trying to get on anybody, but I'm just saying, if you're watching the local news, if you're watching the national news, all the time, I'm just going to say there is a lot of seeds of fear that are trying to be planted in our, in our hearts and our minds. And as Christians, we can't allow fear to take root because it cripples faith. And we're supposed to, the Bible says the just shall walk by faith. We're to live by faith. So if you're wrapped up in, in, in news of this world, you're going to be worried, you're going to be anxious, you're going to be fearful. Uh, you're going to be discouraged and, and all those things. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't know what's going on in our world or try to be alert and aware, but I, I'm just saying there's a lot of things that the enemy likes to do. One of the things he likes to do is to sow seeds of fear uh, so that we don't walk by faith. But Stephen was a man full of faith. Uh, the Bible says that. He was full of faith. He was full of uh, w- uh, wisdom and power and the Spirit. He trusted Christ, and he obeyed Christ. He was following Christ, even when his faith brought him to a very difficult situation. And that's what we saw. He was placed before this council, the council that had threatened uh, Peter and John, the council, uh, the same group of religious leaders that would push Jesus to be crucified by the Romans, uh, have a false trial, and, and be falsely accused. All these things, same things happening to Stephen. His false accusers are coming against him. And he's standing before this council in a very difficult, faith, uh, de- de- very difficult place, and he is walking still by faith. He is still trusting the Lord, still doing what he's called to do, even when it's not easy to do it. And that's one of the things that, that we were reminded of. Our world for us as Christians, this world right now, is just a temporary home. It's just a temporal, a, a temporal uh, dwelling place that we aren't to be trying to make roots in. This is not... Uh, the, the place that we're going to finish our, I mean, we're going to finish our race here on this earth. This is not the, the, the destination. This is just part of the journey. And uh, it's so important for us to get that. But I think it's also uh, vital for us to remember the perspective that we're supposed to live by faith in. Again, this is not our, temp- this is not, this temporal world is not our home. Uh, it's just a place that we're here for a little while. And as followers of Christ, Paul reminded the Corinthians it reminds us today of this very truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says this, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, this, this body, this, this dwelling place, is destroyed, that we have a building from God, a house that's not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, Paul says, we, we long for it, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked." For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, not because we want to, 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 to die and, and, and to not have anything, and we're not even talking about being disrobed, 
but further clothed, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. God's prepared us to leave this world, to put behind this earthly body, put behind all these things, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident, knowing that we, while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, our goal. Whether we are present with the Lord or whether we are absent, we are in this temporal body, whether we're there in His presence or whether here on this earth in, in, in these temporal bodies, to be well-pleasing to Him. That's our aim, Paul says. That, that's our goal. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Christians, that each one, each person may receive the things done in the body, in this temporal body. We receive rewards for what we have done in this temporal body for the glory of God, according to what he's done, whether it's good or bad. Knowing therefore, so knowing this, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We try to convince people to follow Christ. We try to tell them to live your life for the Lord. And I'll also trust are well known in your conscience. Stephen, again, having the example of Christ, following Jesus Christ, and having the examples of faith before him, even some of the apostles that we've, we've talked about, Stephen chose to walk in faith. He chose, no matter if it was his life on the line, his temporal body being destroyed, being unclothed from this temporal body, he chose to continue to share the gospel with those who were even hostile against it. He chose not to live his life in fear. He chose not to allow what man could do to him or what he might experience in this world to shape his obedience or disobedience. So Stephen counted the cost. Stephen said, you know what? Even if it cost everything, I have given my life up. I have surrendered all rights. I have surrendered everything to Jesus Christ. So even if following Christ brings me to a place that it costs me my life, my health, my family, my job, everything, if it costs me everything, then I have to continue to follow Christ because I've surrendered all to him. And that's what salvation is. That's what faith is. That's what trust is. Maybe he, in the moment that he was standing before this council, Remembered the words of his Lord, our Lord. Fear not, Matthew chapter 10, them who kill the body or who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. But rather, fear him who has the power to destroy both soul and body in hell. Not, not that Stephen worried about that, that God was going to destroy him if he didn't keep the faith. Not that he was worried that he was going to lose his salvation if he didn't stand strong there. It's not that I don't think he was worried about that. But I think because Stephen was surrendered to Christ as his Lord, that he had this reverence, this fear of God. He wasn't worried. Even if these men stoned him and killed him or tortured him, I believe that Stephen had a greater fear and a great, of the Lord and a greater desire to please God than to preserve his own well-being, if you will. Ironically, I mentioned Paul a little bit ago. 
And I say that ironically because some of you know where this story is going and what's about to happen. And, and some of you, if you don't know, you're about to find out. It's interesting that he wrote what he wrote, that Paul wrote what he wrote to the Corinthians and in other places because, what because of what we're about to see with Stephen. So uh, I want to pray and then we'll look at what happens because of Stephen's faith. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you again for what we've experienced and what we um, have had the opportunity to do so far, Lord, to pray, uh, to praise you, uh, to fellowship, uh, to give, to, to serve. Again, I'm just so thankful for uh, this church, so thankful for this opportunity uh, that we have to worship you freely, uh, to gather around you and, and, and make the, the focus of this time you. And Lord, we, uh, we pray that your will is done in this time. I also pray for those who may not have a sincere relationship with you, a real personal relationship with you. Uh, maybe they're watching online. Maybe there's somebody here, somebody maybe relying on a prayer they prayed or a, maybe a hope so salvation. Or they hope that they'll go to heaven when they die. And if there's somebody here like that or watching online, I pray before this uh, service ends, before they leave this place, they will come forward, they will surrender their life to you once and for all, and uh, walk out of this place or close that computer with a no-so salvation. They know they're going to heaven, 100%. Again, just work in all of our lives. Uh, have your way now, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Stephen poured out his heart. We saw that last week. He, he preached this historical message of, of what God had done with the Jews and, and what God had promised uh, as far as the prophet, the prophet, Jesus Christ, and, and what the religious people did even with the prophets up to Jesus. And um, he, he, he blamed those religious leaders for being the murderers of the prophets, and murderers of the prophet, the Messiah. And so what was the result of him pouring out his heart, of standing in faith, of following Christ, no matter what the circumstances were? What, what did his faithfulness to obey reward him with? What did his faithfulness to, to move forward, what, did his, what was his reward for his faithfulness? Again, his faithfulness to share the truth with those who didn't like him, with those who were hostile, that, that all the people who heard this powerful gospel, this challenging, piercing to the heart message, did all of them just fall down on their face and, and repent and ask God to save them from their sins? What happened? Acts chapter 7, verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Yes, there was conviction. Man, they, they, they heard what Stephen said and it affected them. I, I think that's what every person who shares the gospel, whether you're just a, a, a regular Christian or whether you're a, an evangelist who travels around and preaches the gospel or whether you're a pastor or a preacher, I think that everyone who, who is sharing the gospel, sharing the truth of God's word, desires that. I know I do. I, I, I want to make sure we pray for it every Sunday, I pray for it every week, that people in this service, people watching online, if they're not saved, that they would get saved. That the word of God, not anything I have to say, but the word of God, the gospel, the truth, would pierce the hearts of those who need it. And not only that, pray for the same thing for us as Christians, that the Word of God would affect us the way that God wants it to affect us. These people were affected. The message 
it, it, it did something. It cut them to the heart. But what did they do with that conviction? It says, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. I'm not going to illustrate that, but you can imagine what gnashing at him with their teeth looked like. You know, maybe some growling went on. I don't know. Um, but they were not happy. The, the conviction didn't turn to brokenness and contrition and repentance. The, the conviction turned to anger and hostility. They wanted to hurt him. They wanted him gone. What he said bothered them in a negative way. So what did Stephen do? Did he back up? Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Don't eat me. <laughs> Don't chew me up and spit me out. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Man, I, I don't know. There, there have been a lot of stories when a lot of people, I don't know uh, if, it's, if it's possible. I don't know if this was a special occasion. We're not told certain details uh, in Scripture. Uh, some people have shared uh, their experience with their loved one at their, their bedside right, as, right before the Lord's taken them home. And it's like they're seeing something. They're talking about a light, some of them. I see a, a light. Or, or they even saying, do you, do you see that? And the loved ones saying, well, it's a hallucination or, or it's just part of the, the process. I don't know. Again, we don't have details. But we do have the details of this. Stephen, ha they haven't done anything really to, to Stephen. I mean, they've gnashed at him, gnashed at him. You know, the, the interpretation could be, you know, they, they started to, 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 to bite him and, and, and to, to try to do something to him physically. And, G and, and Stephen sees Jesus. He looks up in the moment of this persecution. And he says, I, I see Jesus, the Son of Man. He, he's standing at the right hand of God. And that didn't make them happy either. <laughs> but they, they did not like the idea that this person who they were trying to frame as a blasphemer, this person who they didn't like the message, they didn't want to think that they had actually killed the Messiah, this person who was, who was preaching the gospel truth to them, they didn't want to think, they would not allow themselves to believe that this man was actually a messenger from, from God because they believed that they had it. They had the truth. They were the ones who had the relationship with God through their religious activity. So it didn't make them happy. And when he said that he saw Christ standing at the, the right hand of God, they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. Now think about this. You want to talk about some crazy, childish adults, right? You picture it. They're dressed in their religious guards. They got their phylacteries. They've got all of the, the, the Jewish traditional dress. These are the religious leaders. They've got their robes on. They've got their, their royal color. They, they are the ones who everybody sees in the streets and in the temple and says, oh, oh there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Pharisee. Oh, there, there's a religious leader. And now here they are acting like kids. La, 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 la. 
says they, they stopped there. They, they cried out, no, 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 no. You know, they ran, loud voice, stopped their ears, and they ran at him with one accord. But then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. I said the, the irony earlier, I mentioned the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. Saul, a Pharisee, was there at the first martyr's death. But what was, what's the big deal about putting it there? Read on. They stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And as they were stoning him and as he's calling out to, to, to Jesus, knowing that he was dying, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now, I, don't, I don't know about you, I, I hope that you have, but uh, every time that I've read this, it just fills me with encouragement and, and faith. If, if we were to ever face persecution to the death or, or torture, I, I pray, God, I want that type of faith. I want the type of faith of Stephen because you know what Stephen was, was doing? He was doing what he, the only thing he knew to do in this situation. How did he know what to do in this situation? The same exact thing that his Lord went through. He was following Jesus to the death. Again, a perfect example for us today. What is our life supposed to look like? We are to follow Christ in every way, even in death. And Stephen, here he is. He, Stephen wasn't perfect like Christ was. Stephen had sinned. Stephen had been forgiven in God's grace. But Stephen, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, was trying to follow in his Lord's footsteps. Here's my concern today. My concern today is that we have young Christians, even older Christians, that look around at examples of people who are supposed to be following Christ by faith that can discard Christ when lesser challenges come. Let me say that again. I'm concerned that there are younger people in the faith, whether they're kids or teens or new Christians, that look around at people who are supposed to be more mature Christians and they can discard Christ, his church, for lesser things, lesser challenges than being stoned to death. And so when the time comes, here's the concern, when the time comes that persecution and real challenges comes to the church, to Christians in America, when we actually have to walk by faith we actually have to stand in the faith we actually have to face the persecution that much of our brothers and sisters around the world face when it actually comes here the concern is we have other examples that are easier to follow in the flesh and how many will stand in that day how many of us will there be when they say we're we're going to put you in jail if you show up at that church again. We're going to tax you if you do this. 
ever again. It is, we are going to take you to court, and we're going to take everything you have from you. We're going to sue you, and we're going to take you to civil court. We're going to take you even to criminal court. If you start saying, if you, if you continue to say that homosexuality is a sin, if you continue to say that God made two genders, male and female, if you continue to say that abortion is murder in the womb, if you continue to say that these things which everybody has a right to, if you start saying that is hate speech and we will take you and put you in jail. How many Christians will there be that will say we will still share the gospel in love, we're not going to stand on streets and call people names and look like heathen fools, but we will in love have conversations with people. We will in love share the gospel truth with people. We will continue to worship our Lord together. We will continue to, to follow Christ even if it costs us everything. I just wonder how many there will be when it comes to everything being put on the line. Stephen lost his life. And this man, young man, named Saul, chapter 8, verse 1 says, was consenting to his death. He approved of this. This Pharisee, who would eventually become the Apostle Paul, was approving of the death, the first martyr in the church. It's not a fairy tale ending in man's eyes. It's not that Hallmark ending, the movie. You know, you, you, you sit there and you're done, you're crying. Yes, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, it's not, it's not that ending to Stephen's story. But it's a glory, glorious ending in God's story. A true beginning for Stephen. He, he actually passed through the door. He actually finished his race. And, and, and at that moment... That, that, that last stone took his life, and the Bible says that, that he gave up the ghost, he fell asleep. He entered into the presence of his Lord. Trying to follow in Jesus' footsteps, very footsteps, he, 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 he takes his last breath and enters into his presence. Saul the Pharisee here, again, would become Paul the apostle later, and would ride again to the Corinthian church Again, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says this. I'll remind you, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, that we're absent from the Lord. Paul, Paul again, is writing and encouraging the Corinthians to say, look, we, we've got to endure this, this life. And while we're enduring the trials and the tribulations and the struggles and, and, and the afflictions and the infirmities and, and all these things, we get to be, we're privileged to be on mission. We are here for a purpose. It's not for no reason that we're going through all these difficulties. It's actually for a reason, a benefit to, to, to our, our, ourselves and a glory to the Lord. So how can all the problems and issues and, 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 and bad things be for our benefit? Because we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, not on treasures, uh, not on treasures of this earth. We can, we can serve him, and, and, and we can have the opportunity to be a part of his kingdom now. 
And so it is an absolute privilege, even when we go through difficulty. Paul says, look, as long as we're in these earthly bodies, we're absent from the very presence of our Lord. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't let the things that go on in our life affect us. We continue to stand and trust the Lord. He would also go on to write, mind you, from a Roman prison cell to the Philippian believers. Because of his faith in Christ, he would say this in chapter 1 of Philippians, for me, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's just amazing. Again, we sing the song. Uh, it was just saying as, as a special, I want to see Jesus. I, you know, I, I talk with all these, 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 these people that were real people that history has recorded, God has recorded in his word, that were, that were people of faith. But man, when I get there, as neat as that will be, I want to see Jesus. I want to see him. Paul, again, says, to die is gain. And as long as I'm living here, it's all about Jesus. I've given up every right to myself in my life. Again, Paul knew what Stephen knew by faith. To be with Christ is far better. Paul would say that too in the next few verses. He would say, but if I live in the flesh, in verse 22, this will mean fruit from my labor. Again, it's a benefit to us. Yet what I, sh- what, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Like it's, it's, it's a benefit to live here and to serve Christ and, and, and to, to have fruit and blessings and to store up treasures in, in, in eternity. That's, that's amazing. But to, to die is actually gain. So I, I'm struggling. I'm hard-pressed between the two. Having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better than to stay here. But he, say, he would go on to say, but I know I need to stay here. And do what God's given me to do is profitable for those Philippian believers. And so point number one this morning, and I guess that's all we're going to get to, <laughs> is uh, I think such a vital point. It's important for us to remember that Christ is the great reward. Christ is the great reward. Again, such a, the Lord knew what song was going to be sung as a special right before this message, knew that we would get to point number one. We'd see this example in Stephen that he, in his death, was wanting to glorify the Lord, following Christ, saying, don't lay this charge to their account. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. What an amazing faith. What an amazing love. What an amazing heart. To, to, to say, man, the people who are coming against me, the people that are out for, you know, let's put it in our context, the people who are out for, for my liberty, the people who are out for, for my life, the people who, who are out for the church and want to stamp the church out. I pray that God would give us the type of heart and faith to want to reach them and share the truth of them. And when they come for all those things and they attack us and it, and it comes full force, that we do faith that will give them the truth and faithful even to pray for their souls if it even meant our death. Philippians chapter 3, same prison cell, same letter, Paul's writing to them. He says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, that I may win Christ. Paul said everything in this world that meant something to me before I was in Christ means nothing. Matter of fact, I've suffered the loss of everything pretty much that meant something in this world. Before I was in Christ, certain things were important to me, and now all that stuff means nothing to me. I, I, I actually count them as rubbish, like dung. I mean nothing. Why? Why, why Paul? Why, why are you saying that? Because I, I can't value Christ the way I need to value Christ if I'm constantly valuing things of this world more than I should. So they're all lost to me. They're all rubbish. See, when the reward is greater than the cost, you're willing to give all. That's the way it is. I mean, you, you talk to even in earthly terms. There's people that pay the price, whether it's a professional athlete or whatever. There are people that, 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 that see the, 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 uh, the reward at the end. And they say, you know what? No matter what it costs me, I'm going to give everything for that. If you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I'm, I'm going to close, but if you've ever read that, you've read about many of our brothers and sisters of the faith throughout history who have been persecuted and even killed for the faith. They knew that Jesus was the great reward. That's how they endured it, just like Stephen. So knowing that Jesus was the great reward, they were willing to pay the ultimate price on this side. Torture, loss of family, loss of limbs, loss of the ability to walk. Again, a loss of life. We've got to count the cost when we're following Christ. And when we do that, we go from a friend of the world to an enemy of the world. We choose to follow Christ that way. That's what happens. Jesus, I'm not going to read all of this, but many of you know what it says in Luke chapter 14. There's a lot of people following Jesus, and he, and he turns to this great, these great multitudes. I mean, it wasn't just a few hundred people. They were thousands and thousands of people. And he turns around and he says, if you want to come after me, if you want to follow me, if you want to be one of my disciples then you've got to love me more than father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even your own life. And if you don't, you can't be my disciple. And then he gives the, the example of counting the cost. I pray that every person in this room has counted the cost of following Christ. And the cost is everything. It's not just convenience. It's not just what you can afford. It's everything. And that is proven in moments like what Stephen faced. You have to count the cost. I'll say this. It's in, I think it's in your notes. If your faith isn't strong enough to bring you together faithfully with saints in time of freedom, 
then why would you believe it would be strong enough when it's gone? When that freedom's gone? And even a step further, if your faith isn't strong enough for you to share it with sinners in a time of freedom, then why would you believe it would be strong enough in a time of persecution? And the challenge to us is, church, we better get following. We better get moving. We better start obeying now. We better start sharing now. It's not, none of this is to scare us, but to prepare us. Look at the world. Look at what's happening in America. If, if you're not, uh, I just said early in the, you know, don't be watching news and being, you know, full of, of fear and all that kind of stuff. But if, if you aren't aware of what's going on in, in, in our nation, there are, there are bills, there are, there's legislation that is trying to be pushed forward that is taking, that is coming directly at Christians. I'll just say that. It's coming directly at Christians. And if you're not sure what that means, I encourage you to read and research that. It's, it's coming for believers. It's coming for the church. But true, sta- true faith stands. True faith is all about Christ, and he is the great reward. And so I, I want to encourage you, let's get moving with the gospel. Let's get real about our faith. There's nothing in this world. And as much as the blessings that we have, I, I, my, my blessings are on that front row, my, my, my wife and my two daughters. As much as I value them way more than my own life, there is no great, there's nothing no blessing that God has given us on this side of heaven. Better, greater than the blessing of Jesus Christ and of having him and knowing him. So there's nothing on this earth that's worth more than him. He is the great reward. Let's live like that. Live it out. Because if we don't do it now, when it gets more difficult, we won't do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be in this place. God, again, we thank you for uh, your word and the challenge here this morning. Lord, we know that you are the great reward. And uh, Lord, I know we don't always live like that. We don't live our lives like that. We sometimes get so focused on this world and so focused on ourselves. We become so selfish. We become selfish with our time. Things get a little tight and difficult and we, we want to pull back the reins and have more for ourselves. Lord, it, it, the deeper we go into your word and the more we see the examples of this first church, it makes sense why they wanted to be together all the time. It makes sense why they were daily in the temple, encouraging each other, reminding each other. We live in such a blessed land. We live in this land, America. And there's not that type of pressure and persecution. And so we can kind of take and, and leave this time that we're doing right now, this gathering at our whim. We can just discard it. It's not very important until things get difficult. Lord, help us. Help us to be your people. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to value you above everything else. And again, if there's somebody that has not surrendered all, I pray they would come forward today. They would make that decision online. They would, they would let us know. I gave my life to Christ today once and for all. Lord, just move now in this invitation and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as we sing.